This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, The Legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. Today on DWB, I'm joined by Marine veteran and business advisor, Doug Minter, head of Canada's Black Chamber of Commerce and a serial entrepreneur. I met Doug through a mutual acquaintance and was instantly blown away by his business acumen. After starting and selling his own insurance agency, Doug began focusing on small business development in Knoxville, Tennessee, with the Knoxville Chamber of Commerce. Like my own business coach, Bill Watkins, Doug has worked with hundreds, if not thousands, of entrepreneurs and knows more than a thing or two about branding and the importance of creating an experience and building genuine relationships with your customers, which the two of us get into on today's show. Without further ado, Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Doug, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. Simplified devil dog. Man, I'm a, I'm honored to get you on here. I found out about Doug through, honestly, an author of a book I read who connected me with you saying, man, you got to get connected with this uh, uh, former Marine turned entrepreneur that's doing amazing work at the uh, Black Chamber of Commerce out in uh, Canada. But prior to that, I mean, you built your reputation in Knoxville or is it Knoxville or Nashville? Knoxville, yeah, Knoxville, yeah, Tennessee. Knoxville, yeah, Knoxville Chamber of Commerce have owned and operated multiple businesses, incubated multiple businesses. And honestly, I'm just honored to have you a part of my network, even though you're in Canada now, but also because you've been there, done that. You've worked with hundreds of entrepreneurs over the years, if not thousands, around building scalable and sustainable businesses. And I think that you're going to bring unique perspective in the sense of marketing, because as you know, right, people are doing a bunch of stuff, but it's not necessarily driving the outcome that they desire in the early days, which for most small veteran-owned businesses or even early-stage startups is getting some wins on the board, i.e. money in the bank account. Yeah, so, you know, I think, you know, everyone struggles in business, right? Um, business entrepreneurship is not for the faint at heart. And I think the biggest issue, and I just had a conversation with another coach who has 16 companies that he's mentoring right now worth a billion dollars in revenue. And the, the one thing he said to me yesterday was, you know, Doug, these companies, especially startup companies and smaller companies, need to have their big, hairy, audacious goals set. You know, their why. You know, they should be reading Simon Sinek's book, Getting to Why. You know, they should be... Uh, um, setting a big, hairy, audacious goal. And that's a, a vision that's 10 to 25 years in the future. If you don't have that kind of vision or goal, um, you, you're going to fall, you, you, you could suffer um, and not really get where you need to go. 
And you I think that kind of Tesla vision, right? Yeah. And I think it's more than just having it, but also being able to share that with your team, stakeholders, everyone associated with it, because I've been doing a, a better effort of that with my team at Ironbound Media. So we're a small agency, but it's like, yo, they don't necessarily know what's in your head. So it's important for us to have ways to communicate that, like a big, hairy, audacious goal so that, you know, we're Marines, commander's intent, right? Yo, does this get us one step closer to that BHAG, you know, that North Star that we're setting for ourselves? And now yeah. your marketing person, your salesperson, they feel empowered to operate independently of you because you're all moving towards the same goal. Yeah, and it should be, it should be a goal that scares the hell out of you. You should go, this is ridiculous. I can't even believe I wrote this on paper. I can't believe I'm even stating that this is my goal. It should be, it should stretch you way beyond your own personal capabilities. Because I think one of the key things we've been talking about in the ecosystem here is what is an entrepreneur? Right? You got people that have a side hustle, you know, it's a part-time little hobby or something they kind of an idea they thought about. Um, you've got people that consider themselves entrepreneurs and they own a franchise, but that's not really entrepreneurship to some people. Um, it's really about building companies. At the end of the day, entrepreneurship um, is a big kind of carry-all goal. You know, it's kind of this big umbrella, but underneath that, it's to me, um, what a true entrepreneur or business owner is, is someone who wants to build a company that hires people to go and accomplish that big, hairy, audacious goal. There's nothing wrong with having a side hustle, you know, this little passion project that's small and changes your quality of life a little bit. But to really, really, I, I think we should be spending our time figuring out, do I want to own a company? Do I want to have thousands of employees, hundreds of employees, or 10 employees working towards a vision? And I think it's critical that you make that decision on the front end, right? Even if you're working a full-time job and hustling at night to build this thing, if you're going to do that, why do it if you're not going to build a company, right? Just understand where you are and what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, we're trying to push, especially, you know, um, folks in the you know ex-military, folks that have been in the military before. What is it that you want to do? Are you just trying to change your own personal quality of life? Or are you trying to change the quality of life of others? And you have to make that decision and that distinction. And I think that's important from a branded perspective too, and marketing, because then you need to be intentional about who you're going after, right? So like you and I were talking, like you can't charge pennies for products and services. If you're going to try to build a legit company and hire people and, you know, one of my mentors, Chris Lockhead, is always saying that, that like, you know, trying to compete on price is like a race to the bottom. You know, trying to be the cheaper this and that, right, is not a good business strategy. Instead of saying, like, how can I create the most value for our customers and differentiate ourselves from a branding perspective that stands out from the competition and gives us a competitive advantage with everyone that we're working with? And so when we're talking about early stage founders, right, they come to you at the Chamber of Commerce. They have this great idea. You're telling them like, hey, slow down. We need to start with your BHAG, whatever. And they're anxious. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't really know what we're doing. I need to get money in a bank account. Like, I'm working nights and weekends, et cetera. 
Like, how are you getting them to slow down and really be intentional about that? And I was guilty of that, too. I used to think Brandon was bullshit. You know, the first time somebody was like, Mike, we need to work on your core values. I was like, I quit my job. What are you talking about? Work on my core values. It's like, I just need money. Like, let's go. That doesn't seem like a priority right now. But now I'm more educated, been beat up like Muhammad Ali, jaw been broke, been knocked down. I start with building brands first. You know, I, I think it's so critically important with with, you know, a branding and branding is more than a logo. Right. That's one of the things that um, that 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 we have kind of learned is it's more than a logo and brand a brand platform. It's sort of like the strategic plan of your brand. You need to create a brand port, uh, platform. And if you don't create that. Your your brand's just gonna suffer. It's not gonna get where it needs to go. It has to your brand has a tone of voice. It's almost like a person. It has consumer insight, so it has a brain. It knows what the consumer wants. And so you build the brand platform around consumer insights. It has a tone and it has a manner, it has a personality. Right? And so everything you do in the business should correspond with that. It has core values. It has morals. Again, it's its own persona. It's its own thing that you have to build. You know, people slap a, a logo together, get somebody to draw something up, looks cool. Then they go out and start selling. That's fine. That's great. It's, it's fine to do that. But it's better to have a brand platform where you have done the research, done the homework, you will save yourself a lot of agony and time and money. So I was actually thinking about this today. When I first became an entrepreneur, the word that always overwhelmed me was scale, right? Because they're like, scale, scale, scale. Everything you need to do be scalable. But you know, you're, it's a bloodbath to your first 10 customers. And it's still a bloodbath to that next 100. And so while you're there trying to make these scalable, make everything scalable, right? It looks good when you talk about it. But behind the scenes, you really have no money in the bank account, right? Talk to our listeners about like the importance of a scrappiness mindset in the early days, right? And I'm not saying like being just scrappy and not create systems and processes on the back end, but like testing stuff, getting out from behind the computer, you know, going to events, doing one-on-one -on -one conversations, not just throwing up an e-commerce website and expecting people to just come and you can start printing money. Yeah, I think so. You know, in the early in the early days, I mean, there's no right way because people start where they start, right? It depends on what your idea is and how you start. But I, I think for me, the best thing that you want to start with is consumer insight, right? So this is where I love the business model canvas kind of mentality: is go get go talk to a hundred customers, <laughs> go talk even if you're not selling anything. I'd rather you go talk to 100 people, make a list of 100 people that match the kind of customers you think want to buy whatever you're going to sell and test it with them. Go talk to them. Give it away. You know, if you're going to do a freemium model as one of your revenue models, go give your product to 100 people. Say, look, I'm going to give you this product, but here's what I expect in return. I need you to answer these four or five questions. I need you to give me some feedback. That feedback is more valuable than a loan. 
It's more valuable than a grant. It's more valuable than any money that someone would give you. Because ultimately, every business is about who? The customer. So why start a business without talking to the customer first to make sure you're in alignment? Now, you know, there's a lot of people competing for attention now online. I feel like I can't even log on the Internet without somebody trying to sell me something. Even when we're doing those like customer interviews, et cetera, talking to customers, what are your thoughts about earning that awareness in the first place? Like, why should someone even talk to us? Well, because customers want to be in relationship with their brand. Right. You talk to any Nike shoe head. Right. <laughs> um, and say, hey, I got these Air Force Ones over here that are retro vintage Air Force Ones. And you think other Nike customers or potential customers for you, take it to them and see what they say. They're going to be going nuts over your product, right? But you don't know exactly what that is until you go talk to them. Customers want to be in relationship with their brands, right? My, my, my wife will not buy any other detergent other than Tide. She's bought in. So if a representative from Tide called her and said, hey, we got this coupon for, you know, 50% off or a free version of our pro new product. Would you try it? She would give them all the information in the world because she's already bought into the to the brand. Right. That's that's what she wants to. She'll talk to you all day long. Right. Customers want to be in good relationship with their brand. And it's one of the hallmarks that we teach. Um, we follow the growth wheel model. And one of the things is it cuts the, it cuts a company into four major categories. One, you want an attractive business concept. Two, you want a strong organization, great employees, great processes. You know, all your legal structures are in place. Three, you want profitable operations. But the fourth thing is you want lasting customer relations. Right? That's what we want as business owners, but the customers want that too. And I think we miss the fact that, uh, especially with the millennial crowd, they've pushed this more than anybody else. They want the experience and they want a relationship with the brands and people that they buy from. They want to be in relationship with you. I think right? about myself, I right? Uh, so I switched bank accounts, right? I was working with Bank of America. But I feel like they treat me like a second class citizen. And finally, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to work with this regional bank. It was night and day, Doug. I got a text message from the regional manager. You know, he called me on the phone. I can text them. They check in with me. They make it more about me and less about, like, this, this entity that's in the sky that I can't reach out and touch. And you're right. Like, I feel appreciated, right? I feel like, damn, I can actually talk to my banker instead of just, you know, I'm in Newark. So you already know how it is in Newark trying to go to like a Bank of America, et cetera. And I feel that. And you also see this now, like our frustration with a lot of these technology companies that aren't emphasizing the customer experience, because when stuff breaks, you can't get a hold of anybody. You're like, what the hell? This is a pain in the ass. Right. Versus why they go to more niche brands. And that's why there's also I still think there's a huge opportunity for small businesses focusing on a niche market because you're going to be able to serve customers in a way with a lot of these big brands are going to be unable to. Absolutely. I was on a plane with a financial planner sitting next to me, right? Young guy in his thirties. And he said, and I said to him, I said, who's your customer? Right. 
took him 10 seconds to respond, right? If you ask the average business owner, who's your customer? It's a long paragraph, right? He said, he looked at me and said, Doug, my customer are engineers 10 years from retirement who love to play golf. And that is the most laser specific customer person I've ever heard. Very niche, very defined. He's he was doing probably 50 million under management, right? With engineers, 10 years from retirement who love to play golf. Very niche. Nobody in the world will ever know this kid, but his customers definitely do. And so you can make a lot of money being a niche player and carving out that niche and expanding that niche and scaling that niche. So the key, the key again, it all goes back to the customer, really understanding the challenges of a customer and the persona of your potential customers. What are they feeling? It's not just the age, the gender, and the demographic stuff. What are they feeling? What are their challenges? Where are they going? Where do they hang out? What are they feeling? Really honing in on that because all of the answers to those questions become your hashtags for social media. They should match with your core values, right? Your core values should answer the challenges they're having. And that's going to make them in tighter relationship with you. Can you talk to us about some success stories you've achieved over the years working with the various different companies from, uh, you know, Knoxville and the Canada? Is there any company that like stands out in your mind that you've helped go from zero to one? Um, let's see. Zero to one. Yeah, I got a couple. Um, there's a uh, one of my Navy buddies, uh, Jonathan Williams, who's become one of my best friends. He went, he came into my office crying uh, in tears. He said, look, I got a daughter, I got to get through college and I don't, you know, lost my job. You know, they downsized and laid them off. And he said, never again will I work for someone. And so we helped him build not only a nonprofit, but a for-profit uh, contracting. So he's a government contractor. He's probably doing upwards of 15 million. I haven't I've checked in with him recently and he just posted on Facebook, signing a million dollar check for a new uh, client that he had just gotten with the government. But to see him go from zero to 10 million to almost $15 million a year is pretty cool. Um, he's a great example of, you know, the kind of work we've been able to do with some folks. Um, you know, another, uh, success story would be, you know, a young lady here in Canada started out at zero back in the beginning of the pandemic. Literally one of the, we did a pilot mastermind program. Um, she now just got a contract with Bell Canada, which is sort of like AT&T um, in the States. And she's just landed a $160,000 contract. So, you know, it, it's, it, it, there's a million success stories that we could kind of talk about. Um, but those are two that kind of speak to different genres of people um, that we've been able to assist. We've been able to assist a Jamaican patty company, right? Because she just makes Jamaican patties, but she's in probably 60 different stores, you know, um, across Canada. So we've been able to help her through the pandemic. I think, you know, it's not so much about the success stories, but it's about seeing people live out their dreams, that's the success, you know, seeing that, hey, I can actually do this. 
this is something that's within my control. I can actually grow this company. I know I'm always getting, I always get excited, right? I come to Doug. I'm like, I learned this. I learned that. And even Doug's like, man, it's all the same stuff, right? Guy like you, you're OG. You've been in business for God knows how long, right? Probably since I was before I was born, right? And you've seen frameworks come and go. And so you're big on like the foundations, right? And I know that like right now there's all this talk about recession and everything, right? People are super nervous. They're anxious about it. But again, you go back to the principles of like having a good, perfect customer, right? Are you, are you differentiated in a market in a way where your perfect customer says, take my money, right? Those core kind of principles. Yeah. Why do you think we try to complicate like the basics of business, the basics of marketing, instead of just like focusing on doing like the foundational things right. You know, in the, in the Marine Corps, we say brilliant in the basics. And I'm probably gonna do a whole episode on that. But why do you think we try to complicate things instead of like focusing on just the, the basics? Because the execution is complicated. You know, I was a combat engineer, right? So when, uh, you know, we went into Desert Storm and the first day of battle, we had to defuse um, clear two two different lanes of minefields that Saddam Hussein had wrapped around Kuwait, right? And they said, you know, this is your mission. Send a line charge with C4 connected to it. Blow up these two lanes, clear the mines out of the way. And so that, you know, the tanks could get through and everybody could have a lane into Kuwait. Well, when you get into it, we didn't realize what we we don't know what we don't know. That's why we make it complicated, right? And then when you get into something, the situation changes, right? Um, the, the thing for me is this. You're going to experience changes every time you do business. And it's complicated in the execution because you have to have technical people that know what they're doing and are agile enough to make those changes. We had a problem yesterday. We have 400 entrepreneurs in our program, right? And a simple change to the Zooms that we were using caused us a really big problem with communication, right? The, the execution is complicated. It's technical. You've got to have accounts. You've got to have bookkeepers. So you better have a, a fire team of really technical people that can get you through circumstances that you didn't expect. That's the complication is in the execution. The execution is complicated. That's why you need to have great plans. You know, great visions, missions, core values don't really help you with technical execution. It gives you the way that you want to enter into agreements with your customers. It's a style that you want to get with your customers, but you're, it's how you react to them. That's when those core values say, you know what, we've had this problem. Our core values say we're going to be honest and transparent with our customers. Um, we had bought, and my wife is really nasty with details, right? She had bought two bags of green beans or something from the store. When she opened it up, it was just crap. You know, must have been the end of the barrel of stuff and just really poor product. She wrote the company back and said, hey, I bought these two bags. Here's pictures of it. I'm pissed off about the stuff that I bought. Well, guess what? The company responded a week later with an apology letter. And here, here's a coupon to go get this product for free. Five of them. 
right? So she bought two. They said, here, go get five more. We are sorry. And call us back if there's a problem with those five that you got. So it's how you respond to the problems. Um, you know, it's it, it, we make it more complicated because we don't know what we don't know. And then when we get into situations, we don't have the people around us to lean on to give us that technical expertise, right? So when we crossed the minefields in Kuwait, no one told us we were going to be dealing with Italian bar mines, old Russian mines. Like we were given a set rep with, hey, this is the kind of stuff you're going to experience. But we experienced things that weren't in the in the reports, weren't in the commands. Just got to deal with it. Building a business does feel a little bit unnatural at times, right? Because like a lot of us don't know what we're doing. We're just making it up. And we're so used to like having things done for us. Like you work for a company, they got an onboarding process, it's dialed in, et cetera. But when you're you're building a business, you're making sausage from scratch. And like that whole situation you just described where someone wrote a letter, like that might freak me out because I might be already overwhelmed. Now we got to deal with this new situation, et cetera. But then you take the time to build a system for it. So then everyone understands that, hey, when customers reach out to us, we expand at this date, at this time, et cetera. And it's hard kind of building those systems and processes across the board. But you have a foundation with the growth flywheel that you talk about. You know, there's all these other processes, OKR, EOS, all this other stuff. But really, it's like you just got to you've got to create the system is what it sounds like. Right. And you've got to lean yeah. into it and you got to be disciplined about it. Yeah, I think we don't talk enough about business processes and workflows, especially with all the tech that's out now. Right. The workflows used to be handled by people who were trained to do the workflow. Right. So when you went to McDonald's, you know, in the 80s and 90s, didn't have all the tech, didn't have all the apps where you could just, you know, we didn't have all that stuff. It was a person who was responsible for providing that service. We would train that person and that person would help the workflow. Now we're using technology to replace people so that the workflows are more efficient and automated. And as a business, you have to figure out everything that you do, you should document. You should have like almost a journal where you're writing, step one, do this. Step two, I did this. Step three, we did this. Write out your workflows. Even if you're a solopreneur and you're the one fulfilling all the requests and all the things, write it down because there's a limit to how much you can self-power. You have to empower other people to power your vision. And we typically start out companies as an individual by themselves, and we're the power. There's a limit to that if you want to build a company, right? What I have found, too, though, you got to get the reps in also. So it's like, I don't think you can just do one thing one time and then think your system is all good. It's more of like, okay, we've done this consistently. 10 times, 20 times, 30 times. I think we have a good take on it because in the past I made the mistake of, oh, you need to do systems and processes. Cool. You spent all this time building out this system and process, but like you didn't even know who your perfect customer was. Right. And again, like some stuff you got to throw in the trash because that's not a good way. When I started Ironbound Media, I was very front heavy. So if Doug was like, I want to do a podcast, I'm like, all right, Doug, you need to fill this out, fill this, fill, fill this out, fill this out, fill this out. Now you're already done. You're a busy CEO. You ain't got time. Boom. Versus updating it and saying, hey, I'm going to jump on with you and we're going to do it over Zoom together. 
So now I'm working with you to fill it out and now update that process. And so a lot of times, right, like we plan stuff so much in our head, but you're big. Talk to 100 customers. It's the same thing. Get that market based feedback. Right. You got to get out there and you got to engage the market. And that's going to help you refine all those systems and processes and uh, everything else in between. Yeah. And, and then, you know, talking to, you know, 10 customers, 100 customers, that process helps you tell your story and help to give, get your story crafted. Who are you? What's your vision? What's your mission? Why are we why are we engaging you? And that's going to help you in many other ways. Right. So it's not just about um, understanding the consumer insight, but getting that consumer insight helps you build your your muscle of communicating who you are and what you're about and what the company's about. So one of the things I like to do on this show as we wrap up here is a couple of things. I like to give our listeners something to do, right? So, you know, there's like a lot of podcasts out there. They listen to the content, et cetera, but like we're about getting it done. So if you had to give our listeners three things to focus on as they're building their brands and driving revenue and their businesses, building the, the infrastructure of their businesses, what would those top three things be? And then my follow-on question to you is, what excites you the most about the veteran entrepreneurial community? Mm -hmm. Okay, top three things. These are three things that we just been telling people this week to do. So, uh, great question. Uh, number one, watch the YouTube um, on Simon Sinek. Um, getting to why, you know, um, finding your why, right? You can YouTube, it's on YouTube, you'll see it. Um, I would highly recommend every entrepreneur go through that YouTube and really, you know, measure themselves against that. Second thing, I would ask them is to uh, watch a YouTube on what is a big, hairy, audacious goal, right? I would, Vern Harnish is the one who kind of created that. I would definitely go around um, and watch that YouTube. You need to have a, a clear understanding of your why, and then you need to cast a big, hairy, audacious goal for your company. And it needs to be scary. It needs to scare the crap out of you, right? It it because that BHAG is going to inspire your team. It's going to inspire other people, and it's going to drive the work that you do. And then the third thing is, um, I would read the book Scaling Up. It's a hundred pages, lots of visual, probably the best book in the world. That my mentors who I look up to have said this is the book that everyone needs to read. Yeah, I, I follow the one-page business plan. My business coach calls it the one-page business plan, but in the book, it's the one-page strategic plan. But you're right. Yep. That's great. But I do want to correct you. BHAG was by Jim Collins and Jerry Portis. Collins, but Vern kind of pushes it in a way. Yeah, excuse me. I mean, And I meant to say that. It's Jim Collins created that, but Vern is a really good communicator of the BHAG and, yep. and really understanding it in a way that I think is more practical. I meant to say watch the BHAG. Uh, video by Vern Harnish. Yeah. And the other thing was, what excites you about the veteran entrepreneurial community? Because you're in Canada. I asked him before he went live. I said, hey, what can we do to help you win with your work with the Black Chamber of Commerce out in Canada or your other entrepreneurial endeavors, etc.? He was like, man, I just, I just really like helping veterans. I like growing that ecosystem because you guys don't have the same kind of champion around veteran entrepreneurship that we got here in the States. I mean, it's it's growing here. It's it's kind of new, um, but I would say this is that you know 
the veterans in the U.S. find a veteran in Canada that you can link up with because the, the 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 U.S. is amazing. You know, you can go if you have a if you're a veteran in the U.S. and you put on a Desert Storm cap or a Vietnam veteran cap or I was in the military cap and whatever branch you were in and you go into Walmart, you're not walking out of there without somebody going thank you for your service. It's not the same here in Canada. There's not the same level of, of optic open respect. There's respect. They respect it individually, right? But collectively, it's not the same, right? I remember, you know, um, my wife would come and visit me from Canada and the U.S. and I had, had a desert storm cap on and we went to Walmart. Dude, I, I didn't get out of there with about 10 or 15 people going, thank you for your service, stopping me, asking me questions, other veterans asking me, hey, you went to Desert Storm and my dad went, or hey, my 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 son was in Vietnam. Like everybody wanted to talk and engage. Um, and that's a beautiful thing about the United States, you know, relative to military service. You're a god in the US, not the same as much. Um, it's respected. Um, they honor their veterans. But it's more the veteran community kind of running that versus the entire community. And it's just because we're an immigrant society, right? Um, and, and there's so many people from so many places that don't have that uh, same uh, background, right? And, and, and acknowledgement. So, you know, helping us support, you know, uh, veterans here in Canada is saying, hey, we care about you, you know, can up with them, motivating them telling them that, you know, hey, we respect you for what you've done. We're sister we're sister countries, right? There's no conflict, uh, no military conflict that the United States is involved in that there's not Canadian veterans there too, right? So many of you probably serve with Canadian veterans. They're the best snipers in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the best shooters in the world come from Canada. So, you know, I think we, you know, to the extent that we can take the Canadian veteran community and wrap it around and make those relationships with the veteran community in the U.S. would be really strong because it's small here, right? We're, we're 10 times smaller um, in population in the U.S. So, yeah, it's a big country, a lot of assets, um, a great country, but we're smaller in population. So just, you know, it's not as uh, robust as it is in the U.S. relative to honoring military service. What I will say though, is the internet has opened up Canada a lot because I know tons of Canadian veteran entrepreneurs that I follow, I'm a part of their groups, et cetera. And I'm not just talking about like ones and twosies, right? I'm a consistent number of like software developers, marketers, hell, my mentor is Canadian too. And so I think too, this opportunity with the internet has just opened up these like global markets. You're able to learn from people and have access to people that we might not have had as easily as like a small business, early stage startup, you know, 20 years ago, hell, even 10 years ago. And so it is worth this conversation. It's a follow on conversation about expanding into these global markets, tapping into this kind of global workforce, because the COVID has just changed so much. You know, like I met you, you're in Canada. We talked on the phone. We chatted. You're going to be in my book, et cetera. But it's just it's the norm now instead of like this is where we where we do business now we do business over the internet it's the space it's beyond just that mere kind of physical location 
and that includes our international partners and et cetera. So it's just an exciting time to be an entrepreneur. And, and I'll say this, Mike. I'll say this, B Mike. If 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 there was a if if there's a veteran entrepreneur in the US that's trying to figure out how to go global and needs those kind of relationships, Canada, you want to hook up with someone from Canada. I, I can throw a rock in my neighborhood at probably 50 countries in my neighborhood. So if you want to expand globally and you need those relationships, you want to know what's going on on the ground, what's going on in Uganda? I want to do stuff there. What's going on in the UK? What's going on in Europe? There's somebody here. You can get connected internationally with really bona fide, great people that can tell you what's going on on the ground, give you consumer insight. You can do that here in Canada faster than any place I've ever seen. Love it. Well, I'm going to take you up on that offer because, you know, that's one of my goals. Just so much opportunity out there. And also, he's not Doug is very humble, but Doug also does provide business coaching. And I'm constantly referencing his name, especially for a lot of our entrepreneurs that are like the early stages, you know, of trying to build that real revenue, that consistent revenue machine. Uh, I've been trying to get my girlfriend on you, Doug. I haven't figured I haven't got it yet. But seriously, man, we got great resources out here. Doug is one of them. And the number one piece of advice I give entrepreneurs is to get a business coach. You know, I got Bill at the Lions Pride, right? But have someone in your corner who you can go to to get advice, feedback from, because I would never step in a boxing match without having a coach in my corner. And business is one of those things where we're spending our livelihood on it. We're investing money, a lot of risk. It doesn't make sense to go out alone. So find someone. And again, I'm constantly referencing Doug. So I do want to acknowledge you on that front. He he's he only works with a limited number, y'all. So if you want to work with him, you got to be serious. But uh, Doug, it's been great having you here today. I appreciate having you in my network. And I'm excited to continue to learn and grow from you. I'll be sure to include a link to the Black Chamber of Commerce um, in our show notes, as well as the uh, Simon Sinek TED Talk uh, that you recommended. And for all our listeners, make sure you're subscribing to the show and our newsletter as well at the link in the show notes. If there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, feel free to reach out to me at Mike, dot, Mike at weareironbound.com or message me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, everyone, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no-fluff and high-impact brand strategy for veteran-owned businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. Thank you.